This is the Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief, keeping you informed about the happenings in Annapolis and the area. Local news, local sports, local events, local opinion, and of course, local weather. The Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief starts now. Good morning. It's Wednesday, January 23rd, 2019. This is John Frenet, and this is your Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief. It looks like the trial for the shooter in the Capitol Gazette shooting case will be delayed a little bit more. Anne Arundel County Circuit Court Judge Laura Ripken has given the defendant and his counsel an extra seven weeks to explore a not criminally responsible plea, which opens up the possibility he could serve a sentence in the mental health facility in Jessup rather than a prison. Jared Ramos is an alleged gunman who killed five people in the Capitol Gazette newsroom on June 28th, and Gerald Fishman, Rob Hyassin, Rebecca Smith, Wendy Winters, and John McNamara were all killed, and five others in the newsroom did survive the attack. The trial currently is scheduled for June 3rd through the 14th, but that likely will get pushed back as his counsel determines what they are going to do. Good news if you're an employee at Anne Arundel Medical Center earning an hourly wage of $13 an hour. Yesterday, the hospital announced that it will raise its own minimum wage from $13 an hour to $15 an hour for all employees. This change will affect about 1,100 of the 4,800 employees who are currently work at the hospital. And in a statement, Julie McGovern, who is the human resources officer for the hospital, said an investment in our workforce is an investment in the vitality of our health system. This does apply to the main campus in Annapolis, as well as outlying centers in Bowie, Ken Island, and Odenton. Currently, the state's minimum wage is at $10.10 per hour. Welcome to the 21st century, Speaker Bush. Yesterday, House Speaker Michael Bush announced that his chamber would begin live streaming sessions from the floor next year. In a statement from his office, he said, Transparency is key to an open and free government, and I have no doubt that embracing this technology in the House chamber will improve the public's accessibility to the legislature. For many years, committee hearings from the House and Senate office buildings have been broadcast on the General Assembly's website, complete with video, but not the general sessions, which are also known as floor sessions, in the two chambers. They were strictly audio-only feeds, and House and Senate rules forbid lawmakers from using one another's names, and they typically refer to each other by their district number or their home county, so you're never able to figure out who's saying what. And as much as the House wants to get into the 21st century, the Senate is firmly rooted in the 18th century. Senate President Mike Miller, through a spokesman, said that the Senate does not have the technological infrastructure to install cameras. And I'm not quite sure how that happens because they're both in the same building that was built at the same time. More news out of the State House. Next year, visitors to the Maryland State House can expect to be greeted in the Old House Chamber by two escaped slaves from Maryland, Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass. Right now, work is underway on bronze statues that are going to depict the abolitionists in the mid-1860s in the same room where the legislature adopted the Maryland Constitution of 1864, which abolished slavery in the state. Elaine Rice Bachman, a deputy state archivist, said future visitors to the State House will meet Douglas Ann Tubman in the Old House Chamber, similar to the experience of encountering George Washington in the Old Senate Chamber. The new exhibit will interpret what the abolition of slavery meant to Tubman and Douglas. That should be completed by the end of this year. Kind of cool. Sliding up 97 a little bit to BWI, around 13.6 million passengers boarded planes at BWI last year, and roughly 881,000 of them went to Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta was the top destination out of BWI, representing about 6.5% of the passengers, and the airport averaged 2,413 passengers and 19 daily flights to Hartsfield-Jackson in Atlanta. 
And just so you know, that Hartsfield-Jackson in Atlanta is the world's busiest airport, serving 104 million passengers a year. Security checkpoint A at BWI was reopened again yesterday following the closure over the weekend due to excessive callouts. With about 7.5% of agents calling out of work nationwide, the TSA says that the maximum standard wait time at the BWI airport will be 36 minutes. And in a statement, the TSA said that many employees are reporting that they are not able to report to work due to financial limitations. I hope this shutdown gets over pretty soon as we enter day 33. And to update you on that, Senate leaders yesterday agreed to vote on dueling proposals to reopen the government. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell set up the vote for Thursday, but neither one will win. One vote will be McConnell's own measure, which has already been rejected by the Democrats. And the second vote is the one that was approved by the Democratic-controlled House with no wall money. And that's expected to fall well short of the 60 votes in the Senate needed to pass. It does represent the first test of a Senate Republican's resolve behind Trump's insistence that agencies remain closed until Congress approves $5.7 billion for the wall. But so far, Democrats have refused to negotiate until Trump reopens the government. And Trump is worried that Democrats won't agree to a wall compromise if he relents and opens the government. Democrats have said that Trump would use the shutdown tactic again if it works. And the stalemate continues. Last week, Trump and Pelosi got into a tit-for-tat between the State of the Union and Nancy Pelosi flying to Afghanistan in her government jet. And the White House is moving forwards with plans to have President Trump deliver his State of the Union speech next week in front of a joint session of Congress, despite the letter from House Speaker Nancy Pelosi requesting that he delay it. The White House did send an email to the House Sergeant-at-Arms asking to schedule a walkthrough. And the gamesmanship began last week when Pelosi sent a letter to Trump suggesting that he either deliver the speech in writing or postpone it until the government shutdown is resolved. And she cited security concerns. But the White House maintains that Pelosi never formally rescinded her invitation and, in essence, is calling her bluff. But they do have some plan B's and plan C's. They are continuing to work on contingency plans to give Trump a backup in case the joint session plans fall through. And they've been considering a rally-style event an Oval Office address, or a speech before the Senate chamber alone. You can't make this stuff up, folks. Day 33. That is about it for the top news today. Please make sure you're checking out ionanapolis.net throughout the day because we never know what's going to come up throughout the day. You want to make sure you recommend us to your friends and colleagues and check out that first link in our show notes because it gives you all the different ways to connect to us, sign up for our newsletter, send us a text, send us a letter to the editor. You name it, there's probably a way for you to connect to us. Right now, you want to hang out because I've got George Young with your local DMV weather. He's coming up in just a minute. And if you hang out even more... I've got a little bit of a rant. There is a diamond of diamonds, and as you'd expect, it's from the De Beers Group, benefiting from over 130 years of diamond expertise. Only 14 diamond tears in the world are allowed to touch them. Its name? Forevermark. And only one jeweler between Annapolis and Washington has it. Zachary's. Not only is it a beautiful and rare diamond, It's a diamond with the story of responsible sourcing, supporting women and girls in diamond-producing areas around the world through education, health care, professional training, and other programs. So when you give a Forevermark diamond, you're not just giving, you're giving back. Zachary's and Forevermark, a jeweler and a jewel. Online at Zachary'sJewelers.com. 
going out? You need the most up-to-date local weather. Here's George Young from DMV Weather in Annapolis with today's forecast. Hey everyone, this is George with DMV Weather, and this is your Eye on Annapolis forecast for Wednesday, January 23rd. Temps warm up nicely today and tomorrow after a few days of the coldest air of the winter season, with highs today and tomorrow in the upper 40s to lower 50s across Anne Arundel County. But it comes with p.m. rain later today. That could be heavy at times late at night tonight into Thursday morning, with one inch or more of total rain likely for the region, with a possibility of some flooding as heavy rain meets a generally frozen ground layer. Then once the skies clear late in the day Thursday, a reinforcing shot of cold air will move over Annapolis and surrounding areas Friday through the weekend with high temps back in the 30s and a.m. lows back into the teens. So get your umbrellas ready, but keep your winter jackets ready as well as we cycle through the next five days. Okay, that's it for today. This is George Young of DMV Weather. Make it a great day out there, and be sure to get our free app on all of your devices by searching for DC MDVA Weather, and also follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and on our website at dmvweather.com, so you can always stay weather-informed. Join Anne Arundel Medical Center Foundation on Saturday, April 27, 2019, at our Denim and Diamonds Bash in Annapolis. Denim and Diamonds is a fun evening under the stars, featuring fabulous cuisine and gourmet food trucks, live and silent auction, and a live band. Last year, AAMC cared for more than 2,000 patients in our emergency departments suffering from mental illness or addiction. Help us expand much-needed inpatient and outpatient programs and services for your community. For tickets and sponsors, Visit AAMCDenimAndDiamonds.org. Special thanks to our platinum sponsors, AAMC Medical Staff, the Chesapeake Bayhawks, Comcast, the Evan K. Thallenberg Family, What's Up Media, and WRNR. So many different stories in the news, and everyone has an opinion. Here's ours. I think we're in the midst of a slippery slope. Okay, the 287G and the detainee housing programs are controversial for sure. No argument there. County Executive Pittman kissed the 287G program goodbye, as he said he would, and is now shocked that ICE pulled the other program. Hint, you can't have your cake and eat it too. But what is more concerning to me is a statement that County Councilwoman Lisa Rodbian made on a Facebook group. She said that the county constituent comments is running about 100 to 1 in favor of Councilman Volke's proposal to reinstate 287G and to try to get back the detainee housing program. She further clarified that her own constituent comments for District 6 were running 20 to 1 in favor of reinstatement. She claimed that she has the most progressive district in the county. Now, this might be fine if she was reporting on the status on her own Facebook page or her Councilmanic Facebook page, but she didn't. She posted this to the Anne Arundel County Indivisible page. Arguably, this is a far left-leaning page whose members have not yet found an issue that they are not willing to protest. Many don't live in the area. In fact, most don't live in the area. And these are the same people that wasted the council's time demanding that Peruca resign last term. And these are the people that faulted select politicians for attending a party where Roy Moore happened to be in attendance. Lisa Rodman was elected to represent her constituents. Plain and simple, that's how elections work. Sometimes a political leader might have to put personal beliefs and feelings aside to do what they were elected to do, or if they feel strongly enough, abstain. What Councilwoman Rodbian is doing is trying to thumb the scale based on her personal position. Now, I understand that the 100 to 1 could also be an organization thumbing the scale as well, but without knowing that, you need to assume that they are legitimate voices. We are less than two months into a four-year term for the county council, and they are already awash in controversy. 
We do have a new council and only one member with elected experience. I suggest that Councilwoman Rodbian and the others to concentrate on working with her constituents to explain her positions rather than trying to manipulate the pulse of the public. And that's what I'm thinking today. You've been listening to the Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief. Tell your friends and colleagues this is the podcast where you can keep up on the latest with what's going on in Annapolis. And also tell them about our website, ionanapolis.net, where you can find even more information. This podcast comes to you every Monday through Friday at 7 a.m., keeping you informed with the Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief. And take a moment to listen to our other podcast, The Maryland Crabs, released every Thursday at noon.